0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of Ignite Radio Live.
1: You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the Almighty.
0: And if you want to be engaged with this movement, which we believe truly is the core of civilization, humanity passes by way of the family, Steph, where can they get engaged?
1: Guess what? I love my dot us. Great little proclamation and uh, we'll direct you to the website. I love my dot us where you will find a number of tools to help families come together to talk and pray and to um, just enter more deeply into uh, relationship through ritual.
0: Tonight may be a little edgy, not because we want it to be, but because it's the reality of forces of heaven and hell playing out here on earth. God is Lord. We declare that right away. Amen. But we are called to be participants. We are participants. Whether we like it or not, we're in it. We're either going to choose to be aware of it with eyes open and be engaged in this fundamentally for our own holiness for ourselves. But secondly, there we're instruments of that holiness for others. We want to be bold and it's going to be edgy because it, we're in the battle, folks There's a fog of war And we're going to talk about that So have mercy right out of the gates That we're willing to go there Have mercy that we want to do this well We're not going to do it perfectly But we want to do it well But we've got to go there So how often do we hear At the kitchen table Or in social settings Don't talk what? Don't talk politics, politics Or religion Or religion Tonight, we're talking politics
1: Politics and
0: religion. And And we have two beloved brothers with Mm. us to discuss this because over our years of this radio program, they have very much blessed us and impressed us as pursuing holiness first and foremost themselves, but addressing some of these difficult issues. Before I introduce them, another commercial, Belief and beverages Nights, do we not need to physically get together, coming out of the COVID fog that isolated, right, contrary to the Eucharist, which is meant to be physical, personal presence, we've seen the enemy work to divide and conquer and keep us isolated. Get out of your homes, get out of the, those places maybe where we feel languishing, right, and come out, third Thursdays of the month, Belief and Beverage nights at Cronin's GMC of Perrysburg wonderful professors share with us a message and a great conversation the next one's coming up next Thursday check it out at massimpactus forward slash bnb again belief in beverages night 615 third Thursdays of the month please join us next Thursday mark your calendar okay so let's introduce our beloved guests here tonight I'm just going to let them introduce themselves let's start with Drew Blazik Drew in brief who
2: are you the is Drew Blazik um Professor of Finance and Economics at uh, Lord's University, um, father of six, married for uh, 12 years, and uh, live in Holland, Ohio.
0: You're also, that's fabulous. A convert to the Catholic faith of now what, four or five years?
2: Since 2016.
0: Amazing. Awesome. So, whatever. That's amazing. Six, 16. Six. So, six years yeah. of math. <laughs> Here we go. Uh-huh, So, um, also, I want to say Drew is on this because he's a voracious researcher, he's a seeker who does not settle with simple truths. He seeks, he asks the questions, he pursues, and uh, I think we we need people who are willing to do that, ask the right questions, and not just assume narratives of any type. And uh, our guest, Jeff Barefoot. Jeff, you've been a guest also on our program. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, thank you, Greg and Stephanie, and hello to the listeners. Um, Well, my name is Jeff Barefoot. I, too, am a convert to the Holy Catholic Faith going into my 20th year marching Mm -hmm. with the Lord's Church. (laughs) <laughs> um, father of three wonderful adult children, three mm-hmm. grandchildren, another one on the way. Yay! Um, my educational background: I have an undergraduate degree in political science from Miami University of Ohio.
0: Woohoo!
3: Law degree from the University of Toledo. I'm an attorney, a CPA, um, securities licensed. Founder of Resourcement, a wealth management family office firm that I've owned now for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Co-founder of Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio, and just finished my fifth year as board president of Toledo Right for Life, of which I'm still a board member.
1: Awesome.
0: Fabulous. So Delighted so to blessed. have you both, yeah. and the conversation we are now going to dive into. So, brothers and sisters, I want to take our cue tonight from one- simple line from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Before I give you this line, though, so that you know how formidable it is, how earned it is, and how it really really ought to guide us, I'm going to have Stephanie just kind of read for you his background.
1: And I'm seeing some big words here, Gregory. <laughs> you you can do it. Me. Okay, here we go. Now, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived from February 1906 to April 1945, was a German Lutheran pastor, theologian, anti-Nazi, dissident, and key founding member of the Confessing Church. His writings on Christianity's role in the secular world have become widely influential. In his book, The Cost of discipleship is described as a modern classic. Apart from his theological writings, Bonhoeffer was known for his staunch resistance to the Nazi dictatorship, including vocal opposition to Hitler's euthanasia program and genocide persecution of the Jews. He was arrested in April of 1943 by the Gestapo and imprisoned for one and a half years and was later transferred to a concentration camp. He was accused of being associated with the July plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler and was then quickly tried along with other accused plotters, including former members of the German military intelligence office. He was hanged on the 9th of April, 1945, as the Nazi regime was collapsing.
0: So, folks, now the line, and I want each of us to really kind of come before God in that part of our soul, that sanctuary, and evaluate, that evaluates if you will, are standing in light of the kingdom. We're destined for eternity. And this line, I believe, sheds light on each of us in our response to God. So Bonhoeffer, coming out of that experience, says this, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to speak. To act is to act. I use that to set the stage and hopefully thread it throughout tonight as we're mindful that these may not be convenient, comfortable, easy truths to be dealing with. And in some sense, I might say struggle with, but we've got to attend to them and we've got to speak about them. and We've got to be instruments of them. And at the heart of it, of course, please hear our message. We are far from the mark with Paul who says that we're striving to live them. But we can't presume to erase a truth. Because we struggle with it, we can't presume to dismiss the call of the kingdom, which Christ came to reveal, is very clearly clear in the Gospels. We can't presume to dismiss that because we struggle with it. Okay, so. I'm going to, uh, for e- economy's sake, set the stage here. We're going to talk politics and re- religion in the front end. We're going to talk politics. We have one of the most consequential elections coming up this November. Set aside parties and politicians. Politics is not about canonization, it's about the greatest good possible. It's not about personalities, it's about a social order predicated of right principles. And on this binary political landscape, it really does come down to two strongly opposing views with regard to Catholic teaching. As Catholics, we are in particular to be informed by the five non-negotiables. Our support or disregard of these by our vote or political support is a basis for moral culpability. Again, Bonhoeffer states, God will hold us accountable. Most notably, we are to be concerned about the protection of human life from conception through natural death and marriage between a man and a woman and respecting God's design of the nature of man and woman. The intentional deliberate attack on each of these has become a defining doctrine of one of the political parties, not simply in their commitment to abortion on demand through nine months and beyond and even funding transportation for those living in states that respect human life, But in recent months, they've made it a priority to support transgendering, even children as young as 12. That's euphemistic, by the way, folks. It's a way of saying allowing impressionable young children manipulated by indoctrination in public schools to have their sex organs mutilated. You may not like hearing that language, but it is the reality that we're dealing with without parental consent, regardless of the undeniable data on scientific, psychological, and physical health. If there's any doubt... Last Thursday, Biden, who professes to be a good Catholic and has been essentially validated the same by Pope Francis, used the presidential bully pulpit to vilify all whom he called mega-Republicans as a threat to democracy. Now, I've got to be honest with you, though I've never used that self-descriptive in my life, nor do I know anyone who has, Biden's description of everything I've just mentioned herein, he's talking about you and me, Catholics. He's saying faith-filled Orthodox Catholics are a threat to democracy. He's suggesting we are violent and disruptive. This is against the backdrop of what we now know with certainty uh, that predominantly members of his party and progressive media elite exacerbated the fires of disruption. It's his administration that has politically weaponized bureaucratic forces such as the FBI and the Department of Health. His predecessors who vilified the last administration and the Russian collusion hoax, which they themselves Initiated. If we're about the kingdom, if that includes a social order based upon the dignity of the human person, how can we presume to remain silent or inactive without judgment? Help clarify the picture. What's happening? What can or should we do? So, responses to this. Let's start with you, Drew.
2: Uh, I'd say a couple things that when we saw um, Biden's speech, I think that that how he did it can kill a political career so i was kind of wondering why would nobody who has ambitions of doing something would actually do how he did it with the red backdrop Mm -hmm. the military and just going after his opponents so i think there's something going on even deeper that um uh people are telling him to do it i don't know what he's his cognitive skills and his his mental ability going on right now but um, they feel that they're using that as an agenda his political career it's going to really hurt from doing that, I think. But I think there's a larger agenda is to, if you believe anything, the MAGA movement believes, and it could be anything they want to label you as an extremist mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're setting the stage for that later on. So it could be, it could be uh, taxes. It could be a parent yeah. worry about the school board. It could be any of those issues and they want to have an ability. They can label uh, political opponents into that without addressing the actual um, truth of the actual facts, what we're discussing. So mm-hmm. it's a common thing. You do this, they'll call you a Nazi, right? And then ends debate. You're a bigot ends debate. And I think that's the goal is to label you something to end the debate. Um, and I'll just make one more note. And I saw this, if you remember Occupy wall street, when all those bailouts were happening, I thought, thought this was a fascinating thing that happened is that the left started to realize how corrupt big businesses in a way. And then they had all those protesters and the government, how they're in bed with each other, big business and protesters. And then you had the tea party that came out. So you had the left and the tea party at the same time was mm. against it. And what do they do Was they attacked the name tea party to constantly. So I feel like they're going to attack the MAGA name of what you stand for to diminish that movement just like how they did it to the tea party
0: drew you're spot on and in fact just appropriating the Goebbels rhetorical genius of of the aryan race if you will the german you know uh 1940s uh, of labeling your opponent and ascribing these attributes and interestingly enough while perpetrating the same themselves jeff your thoughts uh first the
3: introduction on um Dietrich Bonhoeffer speaks to my heart. I wrote my senior college thesis on Dietrich Bonhoeffer.
0: Mm.
1: Mm.
3: I encourage anybody to read his book, The Cost of Discipleship. Mm. What Biden's handlers did, Biden is merely the prop for his handlers, Mm. which really makes us even more sinister because we really don't know who's handling him. But we know the man's not capable of writing a speech like that. He's barely capable of delivering it. But not the speech alone. The the stage setting, how it was designed, how it was thought out, really echoes the Nuremberg Rally of 1933, Uh, Lonnie Riebenthal, the great propaganda film, Triumph of the Will. If you ever go check that out on YouTube, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Repeat the title Um, again, Jeff.
3: Triumph of the Will, Lonnie Riebenthal. She's an American, actually created film propaganda she was the Mm -hmm. first one to do it it's a stunning display and when you see that and go watch what they did last week you'll see the parallel Mm -hmm. so this was thought out who would have thought that out so let's let's deal with two things first the visual um a lot has been said over the last several days of the red the background red Mm -hmm. which is communist um also very alarming. If you look at the two marines that were there, first time in a political speech in the history of this country that the chief executive used members of the armed services to back him up. The soldier on the right appears to be standing behind bars that look like almost uh, a jail cell. If you you fade out and think about the red, I'm going to make the first comment about what it really is. So many times in the Old Testament, we see that leaders plan to do one thing, and God allows it. But he has a secondary, more primary plan behind the action he allows them. So here you have Joe Biden, a heretic Catholic, Mm -hmm. um, who's leading the charge not against mega, but against half the country of whom he knows there are millions and millions of fellow Catholics
1: mm.
3: and fellow Christians. Um, so first of all, it's it's cloud on charity. But I'm going to say that the red background is the symbol of the blood of the murdered children in abortion. Mm. the Millions of children that have been bled to death by the policies of his administration mm. And his total willingness and Nancy Pelosi's willingness to support abor- abortion up to the moment of birth. Now, let's remember, after Roe, they tried to pass a resolution in Congress that would have allowed abortion up to the moment of birth. And every single one of the Democrats voted for it. Yes. Not a one opposed it. So what you're seeing, first of all, is being allowed to make this speech is one thing, but the real truth is God is allowing his judgment to begin on the aborted children. If you look at historically the context, this was the most aggressive, um, hateful, divisive speech. But it wasn't just that because he said three times, we have the power in our hands to stop this mm-hmm. he didn't say we can stop at the ballot box he didn't say we can stop make America great again in the courts he didn't say we can uh, we can stop them at the, in the state legislatures he said we have the power in our hands what he is implying and of course with that background is you better you better stop being mega or you're going to pay the price now we've already seen that price being paid I was at, I was in Washington on January 6th. Mm -hmm. I was on the Capitol steps. By the time the sun went down that day, myself and everybody that was in Washington was declared an insurrectionist. Mm -hmm. We have now seen people rotting in the jail in Washington City without the right of habeas corpus, Mm -hmm. without a hearing, who weren't armed, who did nothing violent And we're seeing an example of what they intend to do to you. Now, former President Thomas Jefferson, when he won his election, he said, we are all Democrats, we are all Federalists, reaching out in unity. Abraham Lincoln, in his first inaugural address, said, we must not be enemies, we must be friends. And in his second inaugural address, he said, with malice towards none and charity for all. And Robert E. Lee himself, who really was the main leader of the South, never once called the Union Army the enemy. He always referred to them as those people. Mm-hmm. So we see in our history, this striving for unity. Biden has clearly breached that. He's, he called it a war ready speech. He's clearly an, appealing to his base. He cannot run on the issues. At this point, he is the most unpopular president in history since 1900. So the only thing he can do is create this um, mega monster that he wants to run against. So this isn't a speech for us. It's a speech for his base to rally their hatred and their disdain for Christianity and for the family. Thank you, Jeff. Powerful,
0: wow. insightful words. Meanwhile, there's this oddity of ammunition being purchased systematically over the past couple years by the IRS. And the recent, if you will, legislation or executive order to uh, have, what, 78, 79,000 new agents who are being trained, if you will, to administer the will of those who manage them, which would ultimately be the president, to what end? We don't know. Uh, I'm going to ask you both to maybe, with basis, you know, make a broader stroke. What do you think is going on with all of these elements? You had the FBI searching the president's office, unprecedented, and I know we all wait for evidence. We want to be attentive to the evidence, but that's never happened before, and it seems legally you're a lawyer, Jeff. There's, There's elements here that reveal... Uh, A a kind of usurpation of power beyond the hands of people, uh, which our our republic is meant to be predicated of our decision, our will, the will of the people that's been seemingly taken out of our hands and these actions seem to suggest a will to power. I hate to borrow that that line from Nietzsche. But what is your sense of what's playing out in the bigger picture, both of you?
2: You want to take that, Jeff? Yeah, well.
3: It, it, it became very clear during Trump's administration that we have a two-tier justice system. The, the whole, um, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia collusion turned out to be a total, complete collapse. Mm-hmm. The whole Mueller report, I mean, when Mueller stood up and made his report, he was as senile as Biden was. It was a complete fraud the entire impeachment over Ukraine, a total and complete fraud. Yeah. Um, none of these people in the FBI or the DOJ that did this to the sitting executive have paid a, paid any price whatsoever. But what have we seen since Trump's been out of office? First, we saw Mar-a-Lago. We, we saw Steve Bannon get arrested for not appearing in front mm-hmm. of a House subpoena. Mm-hmm. And it was tried and convicted in DC. Now let's remember DC voted 98% for Biden and 98% for Hillary. We have a two-tier justice system. The the law has been broken down in the United States. When it comes to political issues, if if you are a Republican, you're either going to plead and go to jail, or you're not going to get justice. And that's exactly where we're at. We're going to break down now, the scriptures talk about this in First and Second Thessalonians, mm-hmm. that the rule of law will begin to die. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Mm-hmm.
2: Drew? I, I'll say that, uh, you can take it two ways w- regarding the IRS and the uh, um, physical authority um, that they can use is you can take it to the extreme that they're going to be, um, I don't know what you want to say, arresting a lot of people, doing things like that. Uh, physical force but i think i think also if it's the most minimal you could say what's going on is they want to scare anybody opposition Mm. if you have money they want to scare you not to donate to the republicans or conservative causes because all they have to do is find something in your past Mm. in your um your record and they can come in and i don't know what authority they have can they arrest you can they do things but i think it's at a bare minimal is to scare people, not to get involved politically. So really frighten people, especially the arm. Um, um, and I always hear this all the time. Conservatives say once they um, started their show, I um, remember Bill O'Reilly talked about it. He got audited by the IRS constantly. Mm-hmm. So this is not a uncommon thing that happened, but um, I heard one comment. Uh, somebody made that 87,000 IRS agents is large, larger than the entire Israel Military,
0: wow, which wow. is a scary
2: thought. But um, yeah, you know what Jeff said about rule of law. They, I remember doing during the Obama administration. There are certain laws that they um, about marijuana that they just blatantly ignored. There's a federal law against it, and they said we're not going to prosecute it. Therefore, the states can vote in whatever um, laws they wanted about marijuana. That's the lawless where you're going to pick and choose what laws you want to um, abide by, which is um, definitely a scary thing for a political party to talk that way.
0: Folks, we are so blessed that you are with us on this night, Stephanie and Greg Schleter with Drew Blazik and Jeff Barefoot. And our encouragement tonight, we believe, is the voice speaking to us through the church from heaven saying, talk politics and religion. With respect— presupposing currency that you have with those but talk about it be informed and talk about it we refer again to our stage-setting quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer silence in the face of evil is itself evil God will not hold us guiltless not to speak is to speak not to act is to act we're giving a portrait first and foremost of this front end about politics the political situation and again we're not about parties we're not about particular politicians we are about principles we're about godly principles that are woven into our our laws without which they're absurd a right and a wrong presupposes a certain philosophy and ideology that can't be proven ours is judeo-christian it's the foundation based upon the dignity of the human person for some of you who may be thinking well i you know i'm tuning into whatever catholic station i'm hearing you on right now or whatever i just want to pray well god bless you we need that prayer but guess what god calls us to be agents in this world i want to refer us all just briefly and then get back to our guests here and there, continue the conversation uh this document in 2002, when Ratzinger was the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, it's called Doctrinal Note on Some Questions, the Participation of Catholics in Political Life. And just one pericope from this, I want to just quote for you It is commendable, quote, it is commendable that in today's democratic societies, in a climate of true freedom, everyone is made a participant in directing the body politic by fulfilling their civic duties guided by a Christian conscience in conformity with its values. The lay faithful exercise their proper task. Pay attention to this last part of infusing the temporal order with Christian values. Uh, Jeff, you were going to add something earlier. I don't uh, unquote, by the way, you were going to add something earlier before I ask a question. I want to shift this to sort of a screw tape consideration, but um, you wanted to add something.
3: Well, why don't we wait till we get to the ecclesiastical? okay? Uh, issues?
1: I just want to zoom out a little bit. We touched on some of the you know big issues um, and not that our listeners need to be reminded, but you look at the border situation um, or lack thereof um, inflation the the uh, Jeff, you mentioned the military standing behind Biden. Look at our military and how they are being victims of wokeism instead of being trained to defend our country. Um, All the many, many, many good, godly um, members of the military who had to leave because they wouldn't take an experimental jab. I mean, you could go on and on and on. You know, are we a free country? I think that's Mm. arguable right now. Mm. And yet, we, sadly, as so many Christian Catholics, we take it for granted that it's always going to be there. And I get fired up. I've been biting my tongue so much because I have to be careful (laughs) how I say things. I can get pretty feisty. Um, (laughs) But just the frustration, Greg, you touched on a little bit. You know, those who are like, I can't listen to the news. I can't watch the news. It upsets me too much. I get too fired up. What can I do? Or those who are like, my calling is just to pray. And it's like, it shouldn't be an either or, it should be both and. And we are, you know, I think many of us, Greg and I talked about this a little bit, we were blessed to have a little bit of vacation time with our family, which kind of forced us to be unplugged a bit. And I almost felt guilty when we came back, like, Lord, thank you that we were able to do that. Thank you for the blessings that you have given us. But these can so quickly be taken away. You know, the the men and women who've died for our country, who've died to give us these freedoms, we need to invest our blood, sweat and tears And my goodness, simple conversation. You know, Drew, you mentioned before, you use a certain term, you know, you try to get into a conversation and you're called a bigot or racist or um, uh, whatever phobic, you know, whatever the, the topic is at hand. And we need to at least get to that first step, and if more and more and more people take their calling as Christians, as Catholics, more seriously, they're going to bring up those conversations. They're going to, in a communal way, be sword sharpening swords, inform each other, make that um, uh, coalition, if you will, of God's graces together pouring out into this culture, because without it, we are allowing evil to prevail.
0: Great comment, Stephanie, and a great time to uh, throw out our commercial again, because that's to a a significant extent what Belief and Beverages Nights are about, to bring together faithful people who are seeking to understand more fully and respond with the heart of God, massimpact.us forward slash BNB next Thursday. Steph,
1: Sorry, I want to jump in one more thing, and then I'll be quiet for a bit. I get also so frustrated with the people who just kind of use the blanket statement, oh, we've been in worse times than this, or this is nothing new, or... Okay, maybe, but that doesn't mean that this doesn't matter. We could, if we applied that principle to business or even parenting, okay, our kid is being disrespectful. That's always been around. Therefore, I don't have to do anything about it. We need to not use that as a cop out or a crutch and to say, yes, but the Lord has me here at this time in history for what purpose mm. and embrace it. And be faithful to it.
0: I want to turn to our guests in a second again. Steph, you're filling out a question that I did not pose, and I'm delighted that you are. But to Drew and Jeff uh, and to our audience, I want to pose a question, and don't just accept it or agree with it. But <clears throat> it's going to be a little edgy, but here, here we go. To a significant extent, what we're experiencing now is not the them, it's the us. It's not the them who were without Whatever home circumstances or truth or education or formation, it's the good people who stood on the sidelines and remained silent. Again, the Bonhoeffer quote: "It's those of us who, if you will, know truth, but we've dismissed things." And I, I want to ask the question to you, Drew and Jeff: What would Screw Tape? What is Screw Tape whispering to the Wormwoods, those assigned apprentice demons to each of us? How are we? Be, how are these demons being instructed to whisper to the rank and file? Good. Catholics about what's playing out in this landscape as a function of it either continuing forward or us st- taking a stand
2: I think I think you look at it two ways you can look at people who are 100% obsessed with media um, national news and it affects their lives their family lives affects everything God gave them their state of life and we have to take um, what, what's going on, we have to take it appropriate steps, and it needs to be addressed according to the need. So, um, um, I heard uh, this Father Ripper talk about he, he purposely spends only twenty minutes in the day because he has to stay informed. He reads news, he understands it, he knows what he's going to do, and he goes on with his life. So mm-hmm. we sh- we can't be obsessed with this, especially if we have families. Correct. We got to address our families first, absolutely. And then the other one is we have to make sure. Um, and, and if I know, if we might get to that point later on about. Uh, what's going on with the Catholic church as well, but we have to stand up um, when that time is appropriate. especially if we can make a change, we don't stress out about things. We don't mm. uh, talk about what's going on in uh, uh, Ukraine all the time. We have no power over that, right. Or Russia. But um, uh, when that, when it comes up, it's uh, and we got the power to change things. We got to make sure we step up. We're not cowards. Mm. Um, and we go do it. So I think, I think it's, you know, and then the, the other things, like I remember when the uh, gay marriage was uh, passed by the Supreme Court, and I heard a lot of good people, I was like, they were saying, oh, you know what, this is just the new age, we has got to accept it, I'm a conservative on fiscal matters, I don't mm-hmm. care about uh, uh, social matters, stuff like that. And I think it's, being a Catholic, number one is, um, we have to stand up what the scripture says, Christ the King, even if it gets confusing with the leadership we have, we have to make sure. We follow what the church has always stood for, um, even though it could cost just everything.
0: Mm. To you, Jeff, in just a moment, I want to read another uh, pericope from this great doctrinal note on questions, participation of Catholics in political life. Quote, if Christians must recognize the legitimacy of differing points of view about the organization of worldly affairs, they're also called to reject As injurious to democratic life, a conception of pluralism that reflects moral relativism. Democracy must be based on the true and solid foundation of non-negotiable ethical principles, which are the underpinning of life in society. Unquote. Jeff.
2: And Greg, real quick, I just want to uh, read a uh, quote before Please. I forget. I wondering, this is Pius XII, and this is important, and it talks about how we should be involved politically. Because I get a lot of traditional Catholics, Catholics I know that say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to vote for that guy. I don't like him. He's against that issue. So this is Pius the twelfth. He said, the people are called on to take an always larger part in the public life of the nation. This participation brings with it grave responsibilities, hence the necessity for the faithful to have clear, solid, precise knowledge of their duties and the moral and religious domain with respect to their exercise of their civil rights, in particular of the right to vote. Um, And I know he's... It, and then he goes on, like I can't find the quote right now. It's our, con, if it's the common good, it's our duty under grave uh, um, um, responsibilities. We have to vote for the common good. Thank you so much for that, Jeff.
3: Um, well, participation in the political process is mandated not only by um, Leo XIII's encyclicals, but we can see in our own American history the profound impact. of of Christian um, leaders of the American Revolution, including the Carroll family of of, uh, Maryland who Mm. were Catholic. Um, If Catholics were not supposed to be involved in the political process, then why is the uh, President of the United States a proclaimed Catholic and the Speaker of the House who's been excommunicated in her diocese a proclaimed Catholic? See, it works the other way for, for the enemies of God. They go into the political process proudly claiming to be Catholics when they clearly aren't. They're heretics. They're apostates. Mm -hmm. But then when good men and women want to enter politics from the right, they're told, step out of the public market. You don't belong here.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. We're going to shift right now. Thank you, folks. You're tuning to Ignite Radio Live, and we're going there. We're talking politics and religion hopefully with some humility, realizing we are uh, under construction, but we're not going to erase sure and true principles, guidelines to eternal life that Christ gave us because we struggle. We have to find places, brothers and sisters, where we raise these questions and we don't get defensive. Drew, you alluded to this. We don't get all bent out of shape, as you say, but we are consequential. We are consequential. We are consequential. We don't simply pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as if we're on the sidelines and God's going to do it apart from us. That is contrary to God's design of the church and all of human history. He wants us to be participants in his plan of making the kingdom present. And that means in these decisive areas where the word made flesh of politics, culture, and society. So we're talking about politics. We're going to shift now to our church, which is a little more delicate, but let's face it. We are called... uh, time and again, to make good judgments, to recognize that which is good from that which is not, and um, to do so respectfully, particularly when we speak of clergy, our priests, our Pope in particular, we are part of that church, we are fallen in the institutional mode, we are constantly in need of apology and repentance and pursuit of the greater good, and I think that's the key, they are pursuing the truth and uh, seeking the grace for it. So, on the state of our church, let me make it clear. The Church is Christ's instrument of salvation, clarifying the path and providing the grace. A number of years ago, Pope Francis said Catholics owed homosexuals an apology. A quick reply came from Joseph Chiambra and others who were virulent in their homosexual practice and advocacy. In so many words, they shared their stories about early-on sexual confusion that was not addressed but supported By Catholic clergy, it led for each of them into dark places that profoundly impacted their health and body and spirit. Only later did they find clergy willing to address courageously the truth of the church's teaching. Occasions that brought them back into the fold of the church in healing. Their reply to Pope Francis and so many others in so many words is, yes, the church does need to apologize for not speaking the truth, for paving the way not to heaven, but to hell, and standing by as we endured it. So now whatever else can be said for so many suffering in a cloud of confusion, looking for the light of Christ. What are we to make of the Pope's recent elevations of pro-homosexual Dolan to Bishop of Phoenix and kicking out our dear friend, Bishop Thomas Olmstead? By the way, I don't know how else you put it. He was not
1: kicked out. He retired. Well, okay,
0: forced to retire, however you want to look at it. By
1: age, honey.
0: Okay, well. Just clarifying. (laughs) Thank you for that. That's important. But others of age were not, you know, if you will, pressed into retirement. An elevation of McElroy to a cardinal. What are we to make of the fact of Pope Francis's official engagement in support of Father Francis Martin? Or the ideological dismantling of the Pontifical Theological Institute of Marriage and Family Sciences in Rome, the new statutes of which approved by Pope Francis were challenged by over 150 alumni and faculty? Yes, Steph.
1: No, sorry. To be that corrective voice, Father James Martin, just for clarification. Did I? What did Francis, I Francis. Oh, so, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Mea culpa,
0: Francis. So, uh drew and jeff we'll begin with jeff first jeff you're both converse to the faith okay. you deeply love our church you're attuned to things playing out uh my my take is at at, at absolutely best confusion is being allowed to prevail that is profoundly affecting people that you and I know and love, but we increasingly are seeing lights lining a kind of runway just when you want to give, have hope and think that there's an alignment of that, which is true and good speaking to this culture. I'm just going to be honest and personally say, I I'm so discouraged because the confusion allows people to suffer in this world and the next Jeff, your take.
3: Well, be of good cheer because the Lord is, um, The Lord is sovereign and almighty. Amen. And when we get into, we are clearly living in periods why anybody wouldn't be confused, Um, particularly in the church in the United States. Everybody can see the parallel of the very, very legitimate claims about the 2020 election, none of which has there ever been a hearing on the merits in court cases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've heard. Well, this has been all through the courts, and and you know they like the no. There were over twenty cases filed, and every single judge denied a hearing on the merits. But then you've got all that's been surrounded around Bergoglio. Not one book, not two, not three, seven, and this has been going on for years in the background in the blogosphere about the illegitimacy of Pope Benedict's resignation, which then would also be the illegitimacy calling into question the papacy itself. Now, in both those situations, you'll see something very common. People like us, people like the listeners, people that are listening to alternative media and are talking about it at lunch and dinners and parties, it's the lay people that are talking about it. You'll notice at the national level, the national leaders won't talk about it. At the highest level, the Vatican, and in the priesthood, they don't talk about it. (laughs) But we all know we're talking about it all the time. So when we have that kind of confusion, where are we going to go? Well, certainly we're going to go to prayer. We're going to go to scripture. But we need to go back and look at the whole history of Marian apparitions, and I want to recommend to you and to all the l- listeners a recently published book called "Revelations: The Hidden Secret Messages and Prophecies of the Blessed Virgin Mary" by Xavier Reyes eral mm. uh, I first heard of him on an um, interview he did with um, LifeSite News. It's astounding. He takes all the all the Marian apparitions that are approved by the Vatican. Several that are approved by the bishops and one or two that are yet to be approved. And he traces them from history all the way back to Ecuador in the 1500s. La Salette, Lourdes, Fatima, and Akita are all approved by the Vatican. Our Lady at Fatima said the final battle will be over the family and purity. That was in 1917, and this is exactly where we're at right now. All four of those apparitions pointed to a time that within the church, there would be complete chaos and corruption and apostasy at the top. I'm going to read just one paragraph from the the vision of Akita. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. Please. This
3: is from Sister Sasagawa on October 13, 1973, exactly 56 years to the day of Fatima. And by the way, Pope Benedict, when he was heading Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, said that the message of Akita is the same message as the third secret of Fatima. Mm -hmm. So here it goes. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that we will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their converse. Churches and altars will be sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromises. And the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord the devil will be especially impeccable against souls consecrated to God. The thought of the loss of so many souls is a cause for my sadness. If sins increase in number and gravity, there will be no longer any pardon for them. That was what the Blessed Mother said to Sister Zachariah in Mm. 1973. The same thing has been said at Wards, at La Salette, at Fatima, we're in a time where we're being called personally to penance and prayer. Mm. Now, I can tell you in my own life, becoming first becoming a Christian when I was 19 years old, living a robust evangelical life for three decades, coming into the Catholic Church 20 years ago, this does not clean your life up perfectly. <laughs> mm-hmm. You will be dealing with sin till you draw your last breath. And that's why we have confessionals. Mm, amen. To clean this up, we can't all run for the Senate or sit on the Supreme Court. We can pursue repentance, penance and reform in our own life. Amen. Make ourselves highly aware of these apparitions. Pray our rosary and never shut up. That would be my recommendation.
1: I like that.
0: Jeff, formidable and powerful and a call for us to hear the voice of heaven. Private revelations, of course, um, are only approved the degree to which they coincide with or affirm public revelation or do not contradict them. And we ought to, in this time, looking for guidance, looking for clarity, listen to those apparitions, what are those voices, especially approved by the church, and especially you went there. I'm glad you went there. They're speaking of the tumult within the institutional church itself among the highest-level clergy, folks. What does that mean for us? You know, Like you said, repentance, prayer, yes, but certainly not naivete or dismissiveness. How we navigate that, I don't have an easy answer. I mean, how do we navigate— having the conversation in a way that respects the office, right? The respects of Christ revealed while acknowledging, and I would put this simply, the Pope doesn't define the office. The office defines the Pope. That um, in every one of these circumstances, we need to be mindful that it is God's sovereign divine authority that he desires <clears throat> to be manifest through these institutions. And they we are part of the brokenness. We are part of all that, which is I, why I love your focusing on the repentance. But folks, again, we hear. Pray for us. We are wanting to platform the conversation in ways that are true and clear, self-effacing, seeking repentance, but 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 bold. And I just another commercial I'll turn to you, Drew. But I just want to invite you: our our flesh and blood connection moments, our points. One of them, of course, is again our belief and beverage nights, occasions to be formed to have the conversation. To respect views and uh, just enjoyable evening of conviviality, join us next Thursday, massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Drew. Uh,
2: I want to start with um, a quick warning that uh, I see it a lot on Facebook is that there's a lot of, I believe, errors going around in the church and the people that the Pope um, appoints like Paglia, who is the head of the um jp2 pontifical life that was uh, made a comment on um i think it's law 194 in italy where it permits abortion that that's the foundation of society or something yeah now, the hmm. warning the warning and he had like a homosexual mural of himself is in 2015 like that's the guy's disappointing wow. but the warning i want to say and i seen it on facebook is that we get all wrapped up in that and we should only speak out if it's for love of God or love of the church. Mm, thank you. And I see people that they start, I don't know how to put it. Not, I don't want to say pride, but it's almost like I found this out. I did that. I did that. Then they start saying, this isn't uh Pope. Pius 12th wasn't the true Pope. We have to go back to this Pope and then become uh, uh, out of the Catholic church, to Orthodox. So it's real important that um, we love God. And then, when we have those things come up we always speak the truth we know what's going to turn out good in the future um but i just want to piggyback uh, a couple things i was kind of thinking because i'm big into marian apparitions as well that our lady of fatima yeah it's private revelation mm. but it was a public miracle so it's mm. it's bigger than a private revelation what was said and many people agreed with jeff that the third secret of fatima was our lady of aikida and what I was thinking about was when the world became evil, the world was purified through water with the flood. And that was a connection with baptism. And if you go back to like the beginning of the gospels, he says, I will baptize you with water and fire or the spirit and fire. So fire is something as well. And I just want to read this. Our lady of Akita, this is to me so bone chilling to hear this. Um, and this is what she said. She said, so she said, and that, that sister, Agnes, she's still alive in Japan. And right before the, um, what do you call it, um, the Pachamama thing happened in 2019, she's, mm-hmm. she was visited by her guardian angel that week, mm-hmm. which if anybody wants to look it up. So this is what Mary said. As I told you, if men do not repent and better themselves, God the Father will inflict a terrible punishment on all humanity. It will be a punishment greater than the deluge, which is the flood, such as one will never have seen before. Fire will fall from the sky and will wipe out a great part of humanity, the good as well as the bad, Mm. sparing neither priests nor faithful. The survivors will find themselves so desolate that they will envy the dead. The only arms which will remain for you will be the rosary and the sign left by my son, and she goes on each day, recite the prayers of the rosary with the rosary, pray for the Pope, the bishops and the priests. And then it goes on to what Jeff uh, quoted. Um, I've heard other saints and blesseds. I can't remember her names in the 1950s. She had a lot of visions of Jesus approved by the bishop. And she talked about fire will fall, fall from heaven to purify the earth. Is that spiritual or is that a literal fire? I don't know, but mm. Um, but I just want to include that, that I see a, a lot of people, um, start attacking and then they become Orthodox and then they become their own. So we have to make sure this is Christ church, nothing the Pope can do, um, whatever, change any rules or laws. And we have to stand up for God's commandments, uh, that, what the church has always taught, even if it means that we might get kicked out of our church. I think that's the most important thing.
1: Amen. Just a couple of random thoughts. Um, Jeff, you had mentioned persecutions in the church also. And uh, jumping back to the the tiered, uh, two-tiered set of laws or whatever, don't we see that even in the vandalism and the destruction of so many Catholic churches throughout our country mm, where sure. the DOJ and the president stay, stay completely sure. silent, right? Um, sure. So that's just a little thought there, too, you had mentioned penance, prayer and penance. Such a great reminder. Greg also commented on that. I want to highlight that um, so so impor- important. And we've ta- Greg and I were talking recently with the sister about the wounds of the church and how, as much as we need to speak out and need to witness, that prayer and penance also needs to go to the wounds of the church. Often. Um, inflicted by the church on itself in many ways, right? But as much as we um, speak the truth and proclaim things and try to clarify things and have that conversation, to always be grounded in that prayer of reparation and penance for the wounds of the church that um, that are are oozing some so often, right. Um, and I, and then I just I feel the spirit prompting to affirm, uh, and to pray for our faithful bishops mm. and priests. Mm. So when we mention these things, we're not doing the blanket statement that you know it's it's everybody all the time, every moment. Um, we thank you faithful priests who do speak, who do take your, own personal holiness, seriously, who do shepherd your people um, with great love and care and courage. Um, so I just wanted to remind our listeners of that. Certainly, we pray for all of our priests, our bishops, our pope, right? But in a special way, let's um affirm those whether it's a, a stronger homily or, you know, seeing them in personal prayer if you stop into the church and I know we are always so moved when we see a priest just in front of the altar, mm-hmm. you know, in the pews at some random point in the day taking that seriously or, you know, those little I'll gestures of kindness um, that go unseen or unnoticed. Um, so we affirm those. We pray for their uh, continued um, perseverance in that. And we're so grateful. So, so grateful.
0: Folks, we are so blessed that you've chosen to be with us. We know that your time matters. And I think this has been a very uh, formidable timely conversation, seeking to be mindful of of how is God speaking to us, and for us to have the conversation and to act, the Bonhoeffer quote, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act, and just the emphasis, as Drew said, the heart of the church, the heart of Christ, as we do address these things, anchored in prayer, repentance, I'll give each of you a final word in just a moment, blessed to have Jeff Barefoot and Drew Blazik, but in the heart of all this, looking at civilization as a whole, it seems that what is decisive is our understanding and uniting suffering in the heart of Christ in everything, recognizing God's hand in suffering, reaching down and molding us for himself. And I, for myself, want to just quote St. Rose of Lima. This is from a private revelation she had. Our Lord and Savior lifted up his voice and said with incomparable majesty, let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. Let men take care not to stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise. And without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven." And I think that moves my heart to just be mindful of how God's genius. He's overall, he's sovereign. He's Lord, these struggles and difficulties. Yes. We're called to be players, but to receive brothers and sisters, wherever you're at with your marriage, your family, your world, the struggles to see God's hand in them, forging us for greater unity in the heart of his son. Final words, Drew.
2: Uh, probably short and brief, but (laughs) final words is, uh, uh, politics, religion, no matter what it is, always speak the truth, stand up for the truth um, without counting the cost, even if it costs us everything. Like a great priest I love, he said, uh, For the love of truth can be equated for love of Christ. And um, you can't love Christ you don't love the truth. So uh, it could cost us our jobs, it could cost us our standing in our church, it could cost us a lot of things. And um, I think uh, another note is it's going to get exciting because we have uh, supposedly two popes going on right now. And Benedict calls himself, uh, he dresses in white, calls himself Pope. And he, uh, Francis calls himself Pope. And I think God's going to have to sort this out. Mm. We're living in uh, great times. I heard that all the saints would have envied us of living in these times if we could be faithful. Mm. Thank you, Drew. Yeah. Jeff? Actually, there's a
3: rumor going around that Biden's going to claim that he's the third pope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A devout pope, right? (laughs) Um, First of all, happy to
3: be on with you, Drew. Good to be with you again. Thank you, Steph and Greg. The work you do on this radio show is vital, and I'm very humbled to be called in to address the wonderful listeners, uh, many, many of whom I know. Love your brother. From the opening chapter of Genesis 3 to Revelations 12, God has told us a woman would come to crush the head of Satan. And that is the underlying theme throughout Mm -hmm. these apparitions. God, God does not lie. Mary is the new Eve. She is going to crush the head of Satan as the tool of her son. This should give every one of us great, great hope that scripture is being fulfilled. It's being fulfilled through these approved apparitions, which are extraordinarily difficult to be approved. And in these approvals and in these messages, we can find the hope of our life through the Lord Jesus Christ. So be of good cheer. Um, Remember the blood of our brothers and sisters Slaughtered in the colosseums at Rome in the first, second, and third century of our faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, no matter how bad it gets, martyrdom is a way to heaven, mm-hmm. and um, it's difficult. It's hard, but we have a duty to be highly informed, and to turn and to turn that information into our own critique of where we are with the Lord. You know, how am I walking with the Lord? How does my life need to be reformed on a daily basis? So thank you for having
0: me on. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Drew and Jeff. So blessed to be on this journey with you and to count you among our dearest friends. And folks, we consider you among that great association. As Drew spoke, we are blessed to have this time together to seek God's grace all the more fully and to live it all the more fully. Do we not need that human communal connection? through which we uh, image the Trinity in our families most formidably, but also in community. Please join us third Thursdays of the month at Belief and Beverage Nights. You will be very edified and encouraged, leave very uplifted. Go to massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time, God bless you.